0: Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Stephen Pimpera, host of the Public Policy Channel. And today we welcome Vicki Price, who is the author of Women versus Capitalism: Why We Can't Have It All in a Free Market Economy, from Hurst and Company in London and distributed here in the States by Oxford University Press. Vicky, welcome. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. So I wonder if, before we talk about the book, if you might tell us just a little bit about who you are and a bit about your background and how you came to this particular project.
1: It's a very good question. Well, I'm an economist. Uh, I started life, uh, if you like, as an economist working in the banking sector, then moved to the oil sector, uh, then became a partner at KPMG, and then, to my astonishment, was offered a job in government. Uh, And while I was working for the government, where I was director general in one of the departments uh, in Whitehall in uh, London, um, and Whitehall meaning the where all the government departments are and near where the Parliament is, uh, we started doing quite a lot of work on um, women and uh, particularly what women entrepreneurs can offer to uh, the economy. And we were looking at the US actually with great interest because there seemed to be uh, you know, better practices there, and we were saying that if we had as many entrepreneurs as a percentage of the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial, if you like, population uh, in the US, and we had that in the UK as well, then uh, our GDP would be that much greater. So uh, we set up a commission and quite a lot more work was done on on women's contribution to the economy. And that, of course, got me very interested. I was also um, joint head of the government economic service. And what we focused on was ensuring there was evidence. Uh, that was used for any policy decision. And also, of course, as economists, we like to intervene where we see there are market failures and there are loads there. And I wrote about them in the book. I then went back to the private sector and wrote a book recently called Why Women Need Quotas, um, where I looked at quotas for uh, senior women as against quotas for boards, which uh, to me are misdirected because board members don't really make very much difference in the culture of an organization if they come from the outside and just spend a few hours a month looking over financial information and other stuff that the board papers contain. Uh, So I thought I'd look at it more closely. I've written lots of other books and I do lots of academic work as well as working for a consultancy as chief economist um, called the Center for Economics and Business Research. And it was quite obvious to me that although there's been a lot of progress uh, for women generally, not just in the developed world, Um, there are obviously still gaps not only shown in relation to pay but also representation of women in in senior positions. So there is something clearly wrong with uh, underusing a resource which, in my view, is very, very productive if we put it to good use. And that's why I've written the book suggesting that this uh, system that we have at present, which is very short term in its nature, uh, isn't really going to produce and is not producing uh, gender equality at the pace that we'd like to see it.
0: So why don't why don't we start there just by offering our listeners a little a, a, a sense of the scale and scope of the problem? Um, what I, What is the nature of it in your mind? the problem itself?
1: Right. Uh, I mean, the real issue is that if you're an economist and you're looking at how best to allocate resources, you assume that the market will work, uh, that there will be a sort of pricing mechanism that will ensure that uh, people who want to produce something can use the best resources available, look at the price and look at the quality, skills, etc., and put it all together in a way that is most efficient. And after all, there's competition around, and uh, one has choice, of course, as well, um, and the assumption would be that you achieve what we call Pareto efficiency, which is just a term in economics, after a famous uh, economist, uh, where you know you you use your uh, resources to the point where you know using anything additional isn't really going to produce anything more because you've reached the optimal position. Well, in reality, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in lots of other areas. But if you look at women what you find is that there are many obstacles to women participating fully in the workforce. Those obstacles across the world um, could be legal rights, uh, ability to even raise money, ability to have a bank account, ability to work in particular areas, ability to get educated so that you can't provide your your services, Uh, getting married very young because that's what the culture says, Um, not being able to work in particular professions or particular times of the day and basically um, having quite a lot of uh, restrictions in in how you can contribute to the workforce, which of course include things like uh, what happens with motherhood and a lot, I'm afraid, including in the Western world of both conscious and unconscious bias, which keeps women from rising through the workforce and and even encouraging them to work and they give up. Um, So where you end up is having spent quite a lot of money educating them and at present certainly in the Western world and the industrialised nations more generally uh, girls get better educated than boys in the sense that they they achieve better grades. Certainly that's the case in the UK uh, and yet they disappear from the workforce in, in any meaningful sense in terms of offering competition for jobs uh, at higher um, positions, uh, pretty quickly, particularly once they have children. And and that's a huge waste of resource. So basically, we end up being less productive and the women themselves poorer um, because they never get back to the trajectory they could have had. And they're the ones who are most likely to be downwardly mobile and uh, end in poverty. Um, and that's what we see across the world, I'm afraid.
0: So, I mean, in part, what you're arguing is that if, if, if this kind of uh, discrimination against women, if if this discrimination and and, and outcomes were not quite, we're not quite so apparent that individual women, their families, and the overall economies of nations themselves would be better off, that we're wasting uh, potential capital, that productivity would be higher, that GDP would be higher across the board. Um, there's there's sort of an entire school of research, which I assume you are very familiar with, that tries to elaborate on arguments that this is, in fact, the free market working because these are individual choices that women are making, and we don't need to look at invidious discrimination built into certain kinds of industries, but simply that women are making different choices, both in terms of career paths and in terms of, say, things like whether they want to work full-time or part-time. So can you walk us through, what do you do with those kinds of arguments?
1: They have some merit. There's no doubt about that. Women do make a choice, but men can make a choice, too. You have quite a lot of men now who stay at home. Uh, minding the baby, if you like. But women make that choice quite often because there is no other choice in the sense that there are all those obstacles that are out there, uh, including loads and loads of market failures in relation to, for example, what you study. Uh, So there are information asymmetries which which immediately emerge as you are at school trying to decide what to do in the future. Uh, So women tend to not realise what they can earn if they do different subjects. They're not educated enough to be to in this area to know all the information there is um, that they can benefit from in terms of perhaps doing more science subjects, which will uh, earn them a lot more during their lifetime. They tend to see senior models of women who are not in those high-earning areas. There's huge absence of them in positions of authority which might encourage them to say, you know, join banking a lot more or stay uh, as lawyers once they enter because basically there aren't very many at the top that are women that they can aspire to be like themselves. So uh, there is that element of it. Um, and, of course, the bias that exists that we talked about already, It means that if there are senior pe- people at the top who are men, um, There is no doubt, all the literature tells you, that they tend to employ more people like themselves. So women lose out. And the real market failure is that when you're looking to appoint people at particular levels, particularly higher up, what you end up with is less choice because the women have already disappeared. And the, the extraordinary thing is how... If women come back, and that's the general uh, uh, literature information that we get, if women come back to work after taking a little bit of time off, um, uh, or they get discouraged from staying on because there is that bias against them sort of producing children, there's a lot of evidence that employers still ask how you're going to cope with children, are you intend to have any, even though in a country like the UK that's illegal. Uh, They come back then and work part-time possibly, uh, what tends to happen then is you work below your skill level. There is no evidence at all to suggest that women aren't as ambitious and as productive and as career-oriented as the men should they have that possibility ahead of them. But very often that possibility just isn't there.
0: So part of, of what you're, you're talking about here is, is sort of that, that the, the burden that women tend to bear uh Across rich democracies as well. I mean, this is this is true, although perhaps not as 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 egregious in even in places like Sweden and Finland, right? Where the overwhelming majority of I shouldn't say overwhelming majority, where the majority of household work, the caring for the home, the rearing of children, the doing all of the stuff that makes it possible for a family to function. That is still done by women, which of course pulls them out of the labor market, uh, reduces the amount of time that they're available to devote to work and and impedes their. Their progress up the ladder. Um, I was interested to, to, to also see you note the the more kinds of of, of, of social effects, the social capital effects of uh, the end of a day's work uh, going off to the pub to, to talk about what's what the, that's going on with the day right and the role that that plays. Uh, can you talk a little bit about sort of why that may be sort of much more profoundly serious than it may sound like at first glance?
1: It's this information asymmetry that I mentioned before. In other words, uh, if you do go out to the pub in the evening, as one does here in the UK, uh, then there's a lot of, of banter that goes on, but also a lot of information about what what is has been done during the day and what perhaps, uh, you know, your clients may be needing. Basically, a lot of work data and information that comes out, which can be very, very useful. Um, and that networking, if you want to call it that, is, is quite a, it's quite positive if one is able to do it, and 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 you gain quite a lot from this. And if you're not part of it because you've got other things to do in your life, like mind a child, as you're suggesting, or do something else more interesting, um, then you miss out on that. And and if, uh, for example, uh, again, you know, here in the UK, there has been this long tradition of. Uh, playing golf with your clients, uh, you know, a man will do it. Hardly any woman ever does that in the weekend, in particular, because again, you've got other things to do. A lot of information is delivered that way and and uh, exchanged that way, which they miss out on. So, so there is this this information asymmetry there. And of course, if you're senior and you're one of few senior people who are female uh, in that organisation, again, what goes on amongst the men who uh, tend to socialize a lot more with each other around work um, is, escapes you. So information is 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 key. Information is money. Information is career-making. And women tend not to network as much more generally. And, and, of course, if there aren't enough senior women around, they miss out on the mentoring that they could perhaps be getting, on how to adjust their own lives to make sure they have the best opportunities that are there. But the solution, of course, you mentioned the Nordic countries in in Europe Uh, is not so much for women to be more like men, but possibly for men to be more like the women. In other words, sharing a lot more the type of responsibilities for children. So what's happening in in those Nordic countries in terms of equality, and they are the ones that achieve the highest levels of equality, even though even there it's not perfect, uh, is is the fact that you require uh, or, or you force um, paternal leave in some of those places, and the European Union is beginning to be more aggressive in this, so that when you look at a woman or a man, you realize that you know, even if you hire the man over the woman, that person may well take time off to have, you know, when a child is born as well, and share it with. Their other half, uh, so it doesn't look as if it's just a woman's issue. That does change mentality. It takes a long time for that culture to change and the thinking to change. And, of course, there are quotas in some of those countries for senior positions, mainly for boards. And there is a lot more transparency in terms of what the person next to you is earning. That's another information asymmetry. Women don't know it, and they tend perhaps not to uh, be as... um, is aware of what they can have if they progress so what tends to happen a because they start working part-time when they come back with children whereas the man carries on is they lose out in terms of skills and experience over their lifetime and they earn therefore a lot less during their lifetime and having lost their skill and experience makes it very difficult for them to also rise to senior positions so the system doesn't allow it doesn't encourage it uh, and because, of course, we live in a capitalist system which is very short term in its results, the, the incentive, unless there is enforcement from government, the incentive of a firm, even though it's good in the long term for it to be more diverse, but the incentive for them to invest uh, in long term performance improvement. Uh, in their company, which will require change of culture, perhaps more flexibility, sharing of of, uh, sort of uh, parental duties and so on, chopping down the long hours that people have to do in places like the financial sector, for example, to make it more family-friendly for everybody, Uh, that costs. uh, And they won't do it unless they're pushed. And we've seen that every Move that has been made in terms of reducing discrimination or or improving the status of, of women and others in the workforce has come from government legislation. And unfortunately, we still need to do that and do it repeatedly if we are to see the change happening at the pace we'd like to see it happen.
0: Which gets, I think, to the to the core of your argument in, in talking about the ways in which capitalism fails in which the free market has failed. You are not arguing for state takeover of industry, um, but rather are arguing for reasons that you just articulated for us, that, that left to its own devices, these institutions are unlikely to change the norms and the structures that continue to reproduce this gender-based inequality, and therefore, the Answer is in fact state intervention, state regulation. You've talked a little bit about uh, parental leave policies. Uh, What else would you like to see governments doing in order to reduce these kinds of disparities?
1: Well, the first thing, uh, I do believe that there should be quotas for senior women um, in particular sectors. So you look at this from sector to sector and say, over a period of time, we'd like to see that women. Uh, senior women who sit on the board, but internal internal people of the company. In other words, not anyone coming in a non-executive director who perhaps uh, is a woman but holds directorships elsewhere and can't really make any difference to the organisation. But if you have a senior women that you need to have at the top, which are uh, you know, or who are brought up, if you like, from within the firm, then you force firms to have a pipeline so they can start keeping. Uh, those who enter in larger numbers now in the professions and elsewhere um, than the men and then disappear. So you create that pipeline by forcing those types of quotas. That's number one. Number two, I think uh, there's a big issue about childcare costs. Um, They are significant. The countries where there is considerable subsidy or childcare costs are free, uh, practically what you find is that there is greater labour force participation of women with children, and that, of course, makes a big difference in terms of the culture of the place. The more women you have and they stay and move to senior positions, the better it is. But even there, even in those Nordic countries where it works from that point of view, what you find is that in the private sector there's still prejudice, uh, so you need to augment what you do by uh, ensuring that uh, this this parental leave that I mentioned, or rather um, paternal leave, so that the the men take just as much time off, is absolutely enforced. Uh, But there's also a requirement, hopefully, uh, for individual firms, then if you move the the quota to senior positions, then keep more women in the workforce in senior positions. What this means is that you force flexibility. So flexibility here in the UK, you can ask for flexible working, uh, but you may get it refused. Um, for business reasons, and that's what tends to happen most of the time. So you can make it uh, illegal to refuse it. Uh, so you can you can change the culture for everybody. Uh, you can possibly shorten the working week. I think one of those things that I'm, I'm recommending. Um, and, uh, uh, and, of course, uh, be absolutely serious about enforcement. So, for example, in the UK, again and it's happening in other countries too where you can go in and look at exactly what everybody's earning Uh, what has happened here in the uk is that we had this voluntary arrangement that big firms were going to uh, publish their um their pay grades not exactly that but but more you know the difference between the median pay of a man and the median pay of a woman Um, and you've seen some horrendous figures coming because There are so many senior men and so few senior women. Uh, They didn't produce anything when it was voluntary. Hardly any firm bothered. Then they made it a legal requirement and 10,000 big firms actually did that. Uh, And it was shocking to see uh, the very large percentage, uh, nearly 80%, um, that paid men more than women. Uh, And the interesting thing is in the UK, every sector pays men more than women, even where they're dominated by women workers, which is really rather interesting. Um, But there is no enforcement now in terms of what you do if you haven't improved on a year-on-year basis uh, or any requirement to to show that you've improved or any comeback. And yet, as you rightly say, I'm not advocating uh, that, you know, we should get rid of capitalism. The reality is that the state intervenes already in so many areas of companies' life, if you like. So if you look at the top firms, uh, I'm sure it's the same in the US, we have the top firms here in Europe. What happens is that the government either regulates their prices here in the UK, for example, we regulate right now uh, energy prices and it's all run by private companies. Uh, you purchase things from them, whether it's pharmaceutical companies or defence equipment companies, we, we regulate Supermarkets in relation to competition—we're about to put extra taxes on on uh, digital firms, uh, etc., etc. So there is a very tight relationship. And look at the banking system again; where we control a lot of what they do, with lots of regulators in the banks all the time. So you can use the power of the state uh, to enforce a change in the way in which companies operate Uh, and. That is the easiest bit, really, because one has the levers. If one is in government um, and has the will to change things, that's the way to do it. You can't just leave it to the system because, as I said earlier, the system left to itself would just go for short-term profit and ignore the long-term benefit that they get. And we call that, I call that in the book, rationality failure. In other words, firms know that it's going to be better if they do things differently, but they... They can't be bothered,
0: right, and arguably a collective action problem maybe maybe as well, um, so Vicky, before you and I started recording, we were talking a little bit about the the comparative dysfunction of our relative political systems in the u k and the u s um so as as you think through sort of this this. Extended and thoughtful prescription for policy reforms in the UK, what's your do you see a path forward in the relative short term for actually enacting those policies?
1: Well, the interesting thing here is the UK is that it has all become uh, quite a, a a major focus because inequality has become the buzzword. I mean everyone is worried about inequality and what's happened with the financial system and since the crisis have things got better or worse. Uh, and the whole Me Too movement and feminism, all this have, have uh, in many ways um, uh, focused attention on the plight of women. Um, and of course, if you sort out the women who are in a majority after all, then you can sort out all sorts of other things. So the public sector, in particular in the UK, is very good in terms of having you know targets and achieving uh, quite a lot of improvement in relation to employing women and their position and their promotion. So people get promoted when they're away on maternity leave, and of course, and also you see quite a lot of improvement in, in uh, the uh, employment and and progression of people with disabilities and ethnic minorities and uh, and all these issues in relation to uh you know sexual orientation all those have now uh, become a lot more uh, areas that the government takes an interest in and and promotes Uh, so the women issue fits in quite nicely in this and what we found certainly in the election campaign in the uk uh, that we have fed recently um, is that uh, certainly concern about women's position has increased and quite a lot of the manifestos uh, that we had include extra, for example, uh, free school or preschool time for toddlers, and in some cases, even starting free education from the age of nine months. So um, to encourage and and help women, because the problem has been that it is women who are most likely to fall into poverty. And as we know also across the whole world, from work from the International Monetary Fund, for example, It is women who are the most affected when there is a serious slowdown in the economy. And remember, we are in the middle of a bit of a slowdown in the economy. Things might change overnight, but for the moment, uh, that's what it looks like. And also women are much more uh, themselves vulnerable to changes that may happen because of information technology and uh, artificial intelligence. All that is already impacting uh, on women. Uh, And also women, because they work Uh, fewer hours generally and contribute less to their pensions are the ones who are also likely to fall into poverty when they become pensioners. And their wealth, just here in the UK, if you look at this, when a woman uh, gets to pensionable age, her wealth is only a fifth of men on average. So that immediately puts you in a very unequal position. All these things have been heightened, uh, mainly since the financial crisis. And, and I think what is going on is that there is increased recognition that it has to be dealt with. And the various parties are promising to deal with all these things. So it remains to be seen what happens in the future. At least that's one area where there seems to be agreement. There are differences in terms of the size of help that is being offered, but it's moving in the right direction. I personally think there needs to be a lot more regulation as well to ensure that the changes that we want to see actually happen and become ingrained in company culture as well.
0: This is the Public Policy Channel of the New Books Network. I'm Stephen Pimper, and you have been listening to Vicki Price, who has been speaking about her new book, Women Versus Capitalism, Why We Can't Have It All in a Free Market Economy, distributed here in the United States by Oxford University Press. Vicki, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you.